to the Gridiron Show, sponsored by Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. And we already know 10 of our playoff teams, and it's going to be really two of a following three. So all of that we're going to be discussing on the show. It's been a cracking Christmas period. We'll also be asking, what are the top five Christmas dinner sides? Because that's the best tweet we've maybe ever had. This is the Gridiron Show. Welcome to the Gridiron Show, sponsored by Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. Check them out at touchdowntrips.com. If you're thinking about going out and watching some games, either because your team has creeped its way into the playoffs, a la the Pittsburgh Steelers, or if you're looking forward to next season, then get there. Ben is the best man who can tailor your trip specifically to you and make sure you get it for the best value possible. Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter in the studio. (laughs) Are we not too late for Christmas cheer now. It's the 27th of December. It's still a bank holiday, but Boxing Day has been and gone. And I know that Ollie, much like myself, worked a hell of a lot over the Christmas period. He, in fact, worked quite a lot more than I did and, yeah. and had to drive to Norwich and back. Uh, Lincolnshire. Uh, Lincoln, well, you went to Lincolnshire, man. Yeah. Blimey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but do you know what? I'd say you're still in festive spirits today. Oh, no, wait. You're being one surly bastard this morning. It's really funny, isn't it? <laughs> it's basically because I'm really hungry. What are you eating right now? I've got a sausage roll. Rather than a cold mince pie or a bit of leftover cake or a turkey sandwich? I didn't bring anything back from Lincolnshire. No, neither did I didn't bring anything back from Reading, and I'm absolutely gutted. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't. There was some really nice food. We had a, a piece of ham, a piece of turkey, um... Went for turkey breast rather than faffing around with legs and doing the whole crown jobby. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the turkey's rubbish. Like, Grey turkey meat might be the worst meat on the planet. Yeah, my sister and my brother both prefer the dark meat. No, they're lying. Like I understand it's moister if you're bad at cooking a turkey, but my mum is bloody good at cooking a turkey. So the white meat comes out moist, and therefore is the better meat. They're lying. Your your uh, your family. She butters it up. She covers it in oh. bacon. She that she makes sure that that breast is moist. Do you know what my mum used to do with turkey and chicken skin, sesame seed oil and sea salt, and just whack it in the just oven. Just rub it in, whack it in the oven, and the sesame oil crispens up. You know what you want to do as well? Bit of uh, juniper berries and black pepper. Bang it in the oven on a baking tray. Yeah, yeah. And then put a second baking tray on top, so it's like pinched between the heat and gets the gets the metal from both sides and it's like double frying the skin it's the tits mm. i'd got that from australian master chef that sounds pretty good actually it is pretty good not almost as good as me dipping this sausage roll in moroccan hummus i, I can't believe like as a proud man from the east anglia you're not eating your sausage roll with a bit of coleman's disgusting i should have coleman's actually did you have a good christmas mate you don't know it was brief but did you enjoy it <coughs> oh you sound almost as bad as i feel <laughs> sorry i've got a bit of mountain plague i came back from skiing how was skiing the skiing was fine i turned up hungover and that didn't really subside i got a bit of mountain plague a bit of altitude sickness um the stuff that i've been hocking up has been one of the worst things that i could ever see why do people look at what you sniff out and what you look mate up? i had no idea it's weird, some of the it? stuff that's come out of my chest in the last two days has been horrendous i would say it's up there with the, the 
many top three grossest things that people do is slowing down at traffic jams, looking at what you hock up. What could be the third one? There are plenty. Every, you know what the third one is if you're if you're listening. Um, <laughs> let us know at Gridiron what that third gross one Having is. Having a check when you wipe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then you, you've got to see whether you need to carry on wiping. Exactly. So exactly. I don't know whether that's gross or just necessity. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But it still feels a little gross. You're yeah. still looking at your own cat, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, right. We've not talked about football at all yet, and there's loads to get to from the weekend. So many significant results. I think what we'll do is we'll split our playoffs. We'll talk NFC, then we'll talk AFC. Great idea. But before we do, and we've got loads of great tweets in, but before we do anything else, there's one result which needs to be celebrated above all others this weekend. The Cleveland Browns have a win. Come on. They beat the San Diego Chargers 20 to 17. I'm genuinely delighted for Cleveland Browns fans. They will miss that check mark against their history of 0-16. I'm delighted for Hugh Jackson. I'm delighted for Joe Thomas, who described it as their Super Bowl and was in tears in the locker room afterwards. And I'm, and I'm even kind of delighted for them, if not slightly angry, that later in the evening, the 49ers somehow conspired to beat the LA Rams and lose out on the number one pick. I'm still delighted <laughs> for the Browns. I can't, like... Seriously, the 49ers are bad at being bad. That's how bad they are right now. And did you watch the, any of the 49ers rams, even on the condensed highlights or no. whatever? Why would I want to watch that? Well, quite. But 21 to 14 down, Kaepernick. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah. It's the runs two, yeah okay. An incredible, two, like a brilliant two minute drill, marches it down the field. Yep. And then goes for two. Sorry, sorry, no, 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 what? It's. Uh, 21 it's n- to 20. They could have tied it, gone to overtime, Tie it up. lost it, lost that number one overall pick. Instead, they get two wins on the season, two wins that are over the Rams, so barely even count. And now they're not going to be the number one overall pick, because I doubt the Browns win next weekend. Does that make the Rams the worst team in football? I think the Rams have an argument to be... They're not the... But they've won four. They're the, four. They're the worst coach team in football, but they've got a lot more talent on their roster than either the Browns or the Well, that defence. I mean, that defence, yeah. There are plenty of other games from this weekend that we really don't need to discuss whatsoever. So let's just focus on the playoff pictures for both these sides. And let's start off with last night's Monday Night Football. The Dallas Cowboys against the Detroit Lions. At this point, I should congratulate Sam Howard for beating me in our dynasty final. He uh, if, uh, he was about 12 points ahead going into last night. When Zeke got those two touchdowns, I got it to within a point. And then Des Bryant threw a touchdown! What? He threw a touchdown. I must have missed that. I've looked at the highlights. Which lost me the game, basically. I mean, he then caught another one, which made it a a, a much bigger loss. But, um, yeah, he threw a touchdown, and then they immediately started resting Zeke Elliott. So it was like, well, I'm done now. But there we go. So congratulations, Sam Howard. Congratulations to Ben Jones-Bishop. He's a rugby league guy. Yeah. Uh, I forget who he plays for, which is why I just called him a rugby league guy. Yes, I think so. Uh, He won uh, uh, one of my other leagues of note. And I'm not congratulating anyone who won our other leagues. Uh, Why not? There's too much. Well, you're there's li- too much back patting going have, on on the uh, on the you, Twitter. You're looking sphere. right at someone that won a league. Oh, congratulations to Jim for his victory. Uh, congratulations to Jack for his victory. Those were in the TGS league. Um, no, I don't know what you're talking about, mate. The Bandini League. You won the Bandini League. Yeah, 
I, I finished like 5 and 10 in that league. I don't care about it. Mate, I won the Bandini League. Mate, well done. I've never won a fantasy league. Well done, buddy. Well done. I'm leaving that league this season. I should just let you know. Why? <laughs> what, just because I won it? Uh, yeah, exactly. No, I'm in eight leagues. I need to leave some. You're out of order. I've already told Bandini it's likely to happen. He's not happy about it, but there we go. Well, that's bad, man. You're a <laughs> bad man. Well, I can't be in eight leagues anymore. It means I don't pay proper You're attention. D- you didn't even know I'd won it until I just told you. Yeah, I didn't look at who won the leagues where I didn't even make the playoffs. The two, three leagues where I didn't even make the playoffs. You're an absolute disgrace. <laughs> um, How many leagues are you in this year? Uh, in your eight? None. <laughs> because I lost two finals. <laughs> um, That's what you get, mate. In that league where I lost the final where it was Dez versus Zeke. I outscored everyone else in that league by 281 points, and I finished 13 and 1 in the regular season, and I still lost it. <laughs> That's deserved. That's hugely yeah, deserved. I mean, it wasn't it? Uh, so let's talk Cowboys Lions last night. The Dallas Cowboys uh, confirmed their number one seed status and home field for the entire of the playoffs as they beat the Detroit Lions 42 21. It was a tight game in the first half. The, the Cowboys basically decided they weren't going to play defense whatsoever. They're about the 21st team this season to be called the number one ranked run defense in the NFL. Yeah. But Zach Zenner had a whale of a time against them. The Lions had it all tied up at 21 apiece. And then in the second half, they came out. They put foot to the gas. David Irving started performing on the defensive side, who's really shown up in recent weeks for the Cowboys. And they just strolled through the rest of the game. It was so easy for them. They started to bring out replacements. It's an interesting situation because... They, they rested Zeke. They even rested um, Dez for big chunks. They were, Terrence Williams was getting a lot of, of, uh, of looks in the late part of the game, uh, even though he did catch the la- that late touchdown he, when he came back in. But they didn't take Dak out for Tony Romo. And I'm starting to think that actually, whilst obviously it's great to have such an amazing backup, it is slightly to their detriment that the controversy it would cause to put Romo in for a single snap means that even next weekend when they have a relatively, well, I'd say relatively, a completely meaningless game at the Philadelphia Eagles, if they start Romo, questions will be asked. And it's crazy. Okay, I've got two questions for you. (laughs) Sorry, that was gross. Yeah, it was a bit. Uh, The first one is, I'll come back to the Romo situation, the taking the foot off the gas, or, or sorry, applying the foot to the gas in that second half, and just, you know, brushing, swatting aside the Lions. How much of a statement is that to the rest of the NFC? Uh, This is how good we actually are. Yeah, there's an element of that. I mean, it's because they were poor in the first half. I imagine they came out in the second, and that's why they made a point. And I know they still scored points in the first half, but actually, uh, Dak's an interesting one to me, because in one drive, he proved what's brilliant about him and what's completely like still rookie about him in that when he found Dez with the touch with his first touchdown which was that phenomenal catch in the corner of the end zone from Bryant um that play he read a blitz he adjusted at the line he he went empty back set he called the audible and he made the play brilliant but what's not discussed is that twice earlier on that drive Dez had single coverage on the outside with no Darius Slay for the Lions. He was having a whale of a time all day. He had single coverage on the outside, beat his man, 
was wide open for a long touchdown and both times Dak didn't read the field and went short in the flat or out to his right and it showed both his limitations and his brilliance in one drive and I am concerned that whilst we're going to give the Cowboys a lot of love that there are teams whose defences are good enough to nullify the threat from the likes of Dez and to be able to get to Dak even with a running back as good as Zeke. The big problem is is that you've got the Seahawks who had their loss against the Cardinals this weekend and look like an entirely different team without Earl Thomas. They were the team I thought would do that. And then the other real contenders in the NFC for me right now, the teams who are on the hot streak, the Falcons and the Packers are the two I really like who are currently sat in playoff places. They're both purely based on offense. We could see some massive shootouts between those teams and Dallas. Green Bay are getting healthier on defense and maybe could stop Dallas, but they have to go to AT&T. They're not going to get to get them in the cold, up in the, uh, in the cold old north of the, uh, the Great Lakes. That, that's not an option open to them. So I think Dallas might run through the playoffs because the teams in there are just not designed to beat them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're forgetting one team, a team that's beaten them twice, a team that's got one of the best corners or free safeties currently in the NFL in Janoris Jenkins and in the New York Giants. And Landon Collins. And Landon Collins. The the Giants know how to play the Cowboys. The Cowboys, I think, should be very, very afraid of those Giants. That's a very, very interesting call, Ollie. I know the Giants lost to the the Eagles. The Eagles, for some reason, were... um, uh, They were... I don't know, empowered in, in trying to beat uh, in the Giants. The Giants have qualified for the playoffs. I think what it needs is the Cowboys to play like they did in the first half against the Lions last night. If they play like they did in the second half, I think they'd beat the Giants. But if they play like they did in the first half, I think they'd have no problem whatsoever. We had some uh, some tweets on this one. A couple of people asking, Rob Fussy and uh, Chris Pinder asking if I've sourced my Cowboys shirt yet. Probably, <laughs> probably at the right sort of point. Um, you know, there's somebody asking if there's anyone capable of stopping a Pats Cowboys Super Bowl. I guess that's what we're asking. We're answering on the NFC side. Let's go through the rest of well, no, 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 those, and those results just, and what's the, what that's left the situation. Well, but very quickly, I, I said I'd come back to the the Romo Dak thing. Is there any part of the Cowboys organization or the fan base, definitely not the players, that hope that? There's some sort of on-the-field injury that's not serious for Dak, but means that he has to come out and Romo has to come in. The thing is, his movement combined with the threat of Zeke makes him potentially more threatening to some of those defences in the playoffs because it offers uh, an additional facet to their offense. I think that is a concern. I don't think anyone's hoping for that. Um, If you've not heard Peter King's extended interview with Jerry Jones, I really recommend that you go and listen to it. And I'm going to reference it later on when we talk about the Raiders, so we will get to that conversation. Um, But... Yeah, I think no is my simple answer. But what they should be doing next week is playing Romo. And for me, that's almost a statement of saying, this guy is our backup. And in week 17, we're going with our backup. And that's when people play their backups. Do it, do it, Allah. I mean, do it in the same way that you would do for the. Um for pre-season, where you play your starters for a series or two, and then you bring your backups in. Yeah. That way you've still made the statement that Dak is your starter, but that you're resting him and make sure he stays fit. And we're going we're gonna to run through the NFC side first, and then we'll get to yep. the AFC. Yes. But there were two key injuries in the AFC side, which will have got Cowboys fans worrying when they see things like... There's a difference between 
resting your starters and playing your starters and running Dak up the middle on second down at the end of a half and getting him absolutely smashed by a defence, which is what they did mm. with 21 seconds left of the half or something. There, that is a big difference, that you can protect him and keep him running a simple offence so he's less likely to get hit if you're going to leave him in there. But I would take him out next week. Yeah. Um, just to run through the rest of the games then from the... Well, what it means for the NFC. So, with the Lions losing, there are really... There are four teams still involved. The Buccaneers, despite losing to... Uh, Despite losing to the uh, to the Saints this weekend, and in fact, we're going to hear from Cameron Jordan later in the show because we did the interview before this weekend, but we never did a, a second podcast last week, so or a third podcast, or it's very confusing right now. So we'll play you that interview, even though it was prior to the Buccaneers, because there's still a lot of very um, pertinent stuff there regarding the New Orleans Saints. They got the win over the Buccaneers and were very impressive in doing so on both sides of the ball. The Buccaneers technically can still get in, but they need to beat the Panthers, and the Lions need to beat the Packers. And Washington need to tie again. So that's seriously, seriously unlikely. But thanks to Washington's tie in London, they actually will get into the playoffs as long as there is a result between the Packers and the Lions. If the Packers and the Lions tie, then both of those NFC North teams get in. If one of them wins, the other is out. Okay. Washington, just to mention, very impressive in the second half against the Bears in particular. Um, Kirk Cousins was excellent, both with his arms and his legs. Uh, an amazing touchdown pass to Deshaun Jackson. And Pierre Garçon scored two rushing touchdowns himself. Um, two, and the big thing, 208 on the ground between Cousins, Robert Kelly, Chris Thompson, Mac Brown got involved as well. Yeah, uh, big Mac Brown. We were seriously worried about the about Washington's rush attack after their performance against the Panthers and they came out against the Bears who, you know, we know that they are a bit of a battered team this season, but they looked impressive. Mm. Um but let's talk about the Packers uh, the Packers game because they are the other team who are really going to be involved with the Lions and with the Packers as well. And we'll do a preview show later in the week. But 38-25 over Minnesota flattered the Vikings. This was a defence that was meant to be one of the best in the league and has been one of the best in the league and had Harrison Smith back this week. And Aaron Rodgers, I think, with his performance in the second half of the season, has to have jumped up into the MVP race. That's... um that's not a ludicrous statement in any way. And I totally agree with you. Aaron Rodgers, when he said, we will run the table... You were four and six when he said you'd run the table. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been incredible, actually. If, if Devontae Adams hadn't dropped two absolute guilt-edged touchdowns, he would have had six passing touchdowns on the day against one of the best passing defences in the league. Yeah. That's I mean, ludicrous. And uh, what he's doing with his feet as well, despite the various ailments and injuries that he's been collecting over the last four or five weeks, the decision-making, he is now becoming that perfect quarterback, that perfect pocket passer, moving up, finding his receivers, extending the plays, getting the ball out quickly as well. I mean, it's 
every single team in the NFL should be frightened to play the Green Bay Packers. And they're coming off. He's coming off the back of that calf injury, which clearly limited in the week before, and it almost feels like that calf injury has taught him how to play in the pocket again because that's what he was doing in the early stages. But he ran for the touchdown as well. Did you see the Duke, it the little like, move yeah. he made. Oh. Um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And and the, the MVP race right now. We've talked about Matt Ryan, Tom Brady. You know, Zeke Elliott is is in there as a non-quarterback. Um, but he's got to be right in amongst that mix. There's an interesting conversation about the comeback player of the year as well. Jordy Nelson now 870 receiving yards um, t- uh, over the past nine weeks. That's the leading the NFL for Nelson. But it's a really, really good pack of players. He's got, the most, Bell, he's got the most Graham, touchdowns as well. Cam Wake, Andrew Luck. Yeah, he's been the best receiver yeah. in the NFL over the past. Over your running the table period, he has very much been the best receiver in the NFL. And that's saying something when we've seen some performances, the, li- the likes of what we've had from um, Odell Beckham in recent weeks, yeah. carrying that Giants offense single-handedly and looking Jerry Rice-esque in doing so. So, I, I, I mean, I'd be really surprised if we didn't see a Packers win over the Lions after what I saw last night. Well, it's been flexed. Weekend. It's been flexed to the very final game of the weekend, um, the Sunday night game. I'm so we'll already know at that point. We'll already know if Washington have beaten. We'll already know if Washington have beaten New York by the time it gets to your game. If New York can actually, they decide not to rest any starters, knowing they can't win the uh, East at this point, and they go out and they beat Washington, then you guys can just. Have a, have a kick about. <laughs> Brett Hundley comes in. <laughs> um, I texted. Uh, I texted friend of the show, Greg Rosenthal, uh, earlier on this week. I said I'm starting to get really excited about the Packers. Need to have my, a word with myself, really. And he said yes, but it is okay to be excited. There you go. So you've had permission, and you name dropped horrendously. Yeah, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to finish off with the uh, with the NFC side of things, and the Atlanta Falcons thirty three, Carolina Panthers sixteen. Um, the, the Falcons before last night, with that performance, made me say this is the team to beat the Cowboys. But that second half Cowboys performance switched my view again. That offensively, now Tevin Coleman's back in, and now they can do all the stuff that they were doing early in the season before they got a slew of injuries. Man, they looked impressive against the Panthers defense, which has been quietly really, really good in the last five or six yep, weeks. Yep. Um, Matt Ryan's first nine receptions went to eight different receivers. Wow, that's 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 reminiscent of Rogers' MVP season of a couple of years ago, the relaxed season. That's similar to that, just spraying it around. And what's great is that now that uh, he's over his sickle cell issues, Tevin Coleman's back. That 50-something-yard touchdown was just fantastic. What, he's, what he also brings them is that extra option in, out of the backfield. Couple that with the two tight ends coming in, the new guys for Austin Hooper, who and um, uh, is it Toilolo who was, who was out as well. Two new guys have come in. They get big receptions. One of them gets a touchdown. Um on the defensive side, they are all making plays as well against, let's be, let's face it, a, a misfiring uh, Panthers offense, but still a Panthers offense which won the Super Bowl last, uh, sorry, won the NFC Championship last year, got to the Super Bowl. So the Falcons are a very, very interesting looking team. Yeah. 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 Lovely Loving stuff. It. Lovely stuff. Um, we should mention, I mentioned the Seahawks very briefly, but uh, that was a bad loss against the Cardinals. Streaky, man. Um, Stephen Hauschka missing the extra point. 
Carson Palmer managing to somehow go 50 yards in less than a minute, something he's not been able to do all season. Yeah, I, I really think the Cardinals need to be looking for another quarterback. I'm sorry, I love Carson Palmer, but I think he's done. But to move on that defence that easily, at that point in the game, with it on the line, is shocking. And, yeah, I, I think the Seahawks... I know we don't know who's playing who yet, but I think if they run into the Giants or... It's probably going to be the Giants or Washington at this point, really, isn't it? Both of those teams could beat the Seahawks in Seattle uh, with the way could, they're playing at the moment. It could also... My, my concern, I think they... Do you know what? It sounds ridiculous because the Giants are probably the better performing of those two teams. I would fancy Washington to do a job in Seattle over New York because their offence is much better than New York. More New balanced, offense yeah. is poor, is piss poor. That would be the difference for me. It's that running, that extra running game that they've got uh, and a far more reliable quarterback this year who is finding his receivers and more and, and not just one receiver as well. Um, I maintain what I said about the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago. They are streaky. They are so streaky. Just when you think they're going to come over the cusp they they don't they stuff it up it's that's two really damaging defeats in the last is it three weeks did they win last week i can't remember but two really damaging defeats in the last three weeks at least um seahawks fans i'd be worried um there's there's an interesting alex clark has sent us a question um when was the last time a wildcard team went to the Super Bowl? Are we going to see it this year with the Giants or Chiefs? Recently, there has been a history of them not making it. Only, um, only 16 wildcard teams have ever gone on to win the Super Bowl. Green Bay was one. Um, Green Bay was one. Yeah. Good shout. The 2000, um, that was 2010? Well, yeah, 2010 11, wasn't it? The, the Giants did it when they won the first uh, Giants Pat Super Bowl. Uh, the Steelers and Ravens both did it. And going way back, the Broncos did it. And then the Raiders back in 1980. Um, I haven't got an answer on when was the last time a wildcard team went to the Super Bowl without going and trawling through it. And my Wi Fi is really crap in this room, so. I would say it could even be those, those Packers that won it in 2011 10. Uh, maybe we'll have a look but she's making the point that the Giants this year could make it or she's saying the Kansas City Chiefs now we're going to talk Chiefs in a moment because I love them Chiefs but we, we, have, we all love them Chiefs we, we have to start on the AFC side uh, with the fact that the New England Patriots yet again have been offered a ludicrously easy task in making their way to the Super Bowl. The team who we all thought were the best opportunity to beat them, and let's just get the Patriots game out of the way, as they absolutely took the Jets to the cleaners to a point of embarrassment. The, the Jets should be disgusted with themselves. Todd Bowles didn't make it because of... Uh, or he would, he made it, sorry, but he, he missed the night before because of kidney stones. Oh. I think he's just worried about... Oh. His, the, the future of his job. He uh, should be worried. I didn't I didn't want Bowles out at the end of this year. And then the way that they've laid down and just taken it has been ridiculous. We actually didn't talk about this with the Vikings, but the Terence Newman, Xavier Rhodes, weird freelancing thing against the Packers, that was an odd situation. Yeah. Like spending the whole first half basically ignoring their head coach's instructions. Apparently it wasn't the first half. Yeah, Apparently it was as... two series. But Terence it... Newman just basically going... Look, I can match up on this guy. I can match up on Jordy Nelson. Let me do it, and then going. No, no, we're gonna we're, we're gonna move roads about. Who's the guy that's Ridiculous. on the the coach guy that's on 
the NFL Network quite a lot. Is it Tony Dungy? Is he one of them? Dungy is Dungy does. Is uh, he the black ESPN. guy? ESPN. Yeah, yeah. No, who's the white old white guy? Uh, Mar- Steve Mariucci. No, not Mariucci. The coach. other guy. <coughs> um, oh, I don't know who you mean. They, well, there's another people all know. It's not Mariucci. It's the other guy. Uh, it, he plus Dungy's not on the NFL Network. He's yeah, on it's, it's not one him. Of the others. It's not him. CBS. Anyway, he said ESPN as a coach. That goes on more than people realise, that players make decisions on the field that goes against coaching. And as a coach, it's the most frustrating and annoying thing. He thinks that Zimmer did the right thing in nipping it in the bud and trying to downplay it all. But if I was a Vikings fan, I'd be I'd be aghast at it. <laughs> Xavier Rhodes, who was meant to was the guy that was meant to be assigned to him, kept Jordy Nelson to nine yards off two receptions in the second half. Okay, the Packers had the game at that time and we're probably spreading it around to keep Nelson away from any sort of injury keeping him fresh but even so it, it, that shows that it was a poor decision by the and, Vikings and players and considering Mike Zimmer has been such a great coach this year to treat him that way not cool do it right this just a few tweets we've had on the AFC side of things um John asks, is there a curse on AFC QBs not named Brady, Manning or Roethlisberger? So many injuries over the years for other quarterbacks. Uh, And similar question, Rob firstly asks, has the Raiders season gone up in smoke after the injury to Derek Carr or can Matt McGloin step up? Um, This is, I mean, first of all, obviously, uh, no matter what I've thought of, (laughs) you're a disgrace. (laughs) Why? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um... No matter what I've made of Derek Carr this season, and you know that I've been less high on him than others, I never thought he was in the MVP conversation. He, They are a passing offence, and he has been impressive this year, and he has made a big step up. And it's horrible to see a true Super Bowl contender like the Raiders lose their signal caller to a freak injury, and it really was a freak incident. No one at fault for it. The player just fell on his leg at an awkward angle. And you could see it immediately. Derek Carr turned and said, it's broke. It's broke. He knew straight away. Really great showing from the Raiders players who rallied around him. There was the moment when they were on the sideline and they all held up Gatorade towels whilst he was having the leg first seen to, to avoid cameras being able to see the anguish clearly anguish was the exact word i was going to use and you know i from that perspective fair play to them and and what great team spirit and actually matt mcgloin made a couple of plays after he came in that made me think okay if he was out for like five or six weeks of the regular season matt mcgloin might be a guy he might be fine but it's just the quality of teams like the Patriots he's going to have to go up against. And that defence has got better and better week by week over the last seven weeks for the Patriots. I just I despair for the Raiders and I despair for the AFC playoff picture in general. Well, no, let me tell you something, but I'm, Gavin. I'm, I'm gutted for them. I'm really gutted. I am also them. gutted for them. But NFL films dine out on stories like this. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. What, what if... Matt McGloin, or is it? What, who's the backup to him? Is it Delvin Cook? Well, it, no, Connor Cook. Connor Cook. What if one of those two comes from the shadows of Derek Carr's broken fibula and takes them to the Super Bowl? So here was why I wanted to mention the Jerry Jones interview again. Really, really worth a listen. Fascinating stuff. The Peter King MMQB interviews done with him. It's about 45, 50 minutes long. In that interview. I knew that the um, I knew that the Cowboys had tra- tried to trade up to go and get Paxton Lynch, 
when the Broncos got there ahead of them. I, I was aware of that attempted trade, and I know that was the guy they wanted. Think about how different their, se- different their season would be when Romo went down and they had the project that is Paxton Lynch. Mm. What I didn't know is at the top of the third or fourth round, wherever it was that the Raiders got him, they tried to trade up with, I think, who the Browns held the first two picks to go and get Connor Cook. And they didn't trade up because the Raiders got there ahead of them. Imagine if the Cowboys had offered just a little bit more or neither had offered to trade and the Cowboys would have been ahead of the Raiders and the Cowboys had gone for Connor Cook, who, again, looks like a decent prospect, but just... You know, we've not seen that he would ever have... You can't predict that he would have had the season that Jack Prescott's had. And the Raiders have Derek Carr go down and are able to bring Dak Prescott in at this point. Yeah. Just... just, It it amazes me stuff like... Jerry Jones out and out went for two other quarterbacks before Dak Prescott and was gutted to not get either of them. He also wanted Manziel two seasons ago and didn't get him because his room talked him out of him. And they went and got... Was that the year they got Travis Fredericks or it was the guard they got? Um, uh, Zach. What's his face? (laughs) Um, You know... It just shows you those tiny Johnson. little those tiny little margins. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Those tiny little margins and the difference that yeah. they make in the NFL. Just the difference that the Cowboys season would have. They didn't have that Prescott. It really that was you know it might be fascinating to just me, but specifically that was fascinating to me. And I thought the Raiders had a really good game before this. The Colts. Uh, came there and came to play and they had some decent offense going after two early interceptions Andrew Luck in classic Andrew Luck fashion picked himself up and played well after making the mistakes but the running game was going I thought Washington looked good Jalen Richardson out of the backfield mm. um, and interestingly as someone who owns both Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper in fancy they've gone quiet in the second half of this season in quite a big way and actually when McGloin came in he threw up some 50-50 type balls and Amari Cooper and Crabtree on two separate occasions both went up and caught them. And what you forget is they're both two very good receivers who are very good in traffic, but they're playing in such a well-designed offense that when a team double teams them, actually it means that you're going to have Seth Roberts or well, they're using Taylor a lot, Richardson coming out of the backfield. They're or, using a lot of the tight ends, Wolford and Rivera, who, yeah. who, who have been seeing a lot more targets and, and actually catching the ball over the last four or five weeks as well. So someone else gets open because Cooper's double teamed and Derek Carr is good enough to find that person. What we might see with Matt McGloin is him throwing up a bunch more of those 50-50 balls and Cooper and Crabtree are both talented enough to catch them. And that's the only thing that makes me think, maybe, just maybe... There's something in that Raiders offense that can keep them going. They've also got one of the best offensive lines in the league up there with Dallas's. I think we'll see a lot of six-man sets, which we've seen with Carr in there as well. Um, you know, they're going to protect McGloin. My big thing is, and this comes back to the question that was asked by Alex about the Chiefs wild card. There's so many facets to this conversation, I don't know where to start. But firstly, I said weeks ago that I thought the Chiefs were going to win the AFC West. And I still think that's going to happen because I think the Raiders will go into Denver. The Broncos, who have now been knocked out of the playoffs, thanks to that loss to the Chiefs, are going to be pissed off. 
That defence are going to play up. Think about Keep Talib, Von Miller, how those guys are going to be feeling yeah, after the way they were manhandled by the Chiefs. And I think Matt Gloin's going to go in there and he's going to have a rough time of it. It could be the best thing to happen to the Raiders in terms of going into the playoffs because what a tougher test to get Matt McGloin NFL ready ahead of the playoffs. Going up against Von Miller, yeah. But but I think Raiders go into the Broncos and probably lose and then the Chiefs go into San Diego and beat the Chargers and win the division. Well, the thing is... Because the they've got the ridiculous divisional record which gives them the break. And the Chiefs are re- have really got something to play for there. A lot of these teams... Don't have much to play for the char. You know, char- it could be the last game for the Chargers in San Diego, but that's that's by the by. It's really interesting to see that the Chiefs have something to play for, but also that they. I know that they they on their streak is only one at the moment. They've they lost the, a couple of weeks ago, but they're playing some incredible football, and Travis Kelsey is having a year, and outside of Tom Brady. You've got to say the next best quarterback that's not Ben Roethlisberger. So the third best quarterback. Yeah, is I just suddenly re- remembered ben, ben Roethlisberger is Alex Smith. And and so this is this comes to one of my big points. Uh, Travis Kelsey was the MVP of that game for me. Um, there was it was interesting that so many points came in that first quarter, which is ideal because I stayed up for the brilliant Steelers Ravens game, which we'll get to in a moment. And then I watched the first quarter of the Chiefs Broncos. I went, "Oh, this is a really good game. I've really <laughs> got to go to sleep." I went to sleep and then woke up to find out that like eleven more points were scored. And I'm like, "Oh, fine, <laughs> I didn't miss out then." Um, but what's amazing is a lot of talk will be about the Tyreek Hill touchdown. Not only did Travis Kelsey have the big catch and run and two touchdowns total. But there was the fact that he had the absolutely huge block on the Tyreek Hill touchdown run where he had the initial block, the 70-yarder. He had the initial block and then he got upfield and he went with Hill all the way and kept the blocking going. And actually, Travis Kelsey, his first year in the league, there was a lot of conversation about how he was a pure pass-catching tight end. They never left him in in running situations. Then last year, they tended to leave him in, but he was much more of an end-of-the-line guy, which is fine. You know, that's an important job for a tight end. But he now is a, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, both as a sixth lineman, but also as an on-the-move receiver-type blocker, as we saw in that Tyreek Hill touchdown. And outside of Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football right now. I, I don't disagree. Is he getting on the way to being the next Gronk? Because I, I, yeah. arguably we may never ever he, see Gronk. He hates the baby Gronk nickname, as we learnt when we interviewed him earlier this year. Well, but <laughs> exactly, but we may never ever see Gronk back to his best. No, there's so many injuries that every year we're getting at least two injuries for Gronk, which is really sad. For a, I know he's a patriot, but I love watching him play. Is is Travis Kelsey the tight end in waiting? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. Um, so Chiefs were out, 33-10 winners over the Broncos. I think we've discussed that game enough at this point. Uh, let's mention that Steelers game, Steelers-Ravens, because what a great game for Christmas Day. Oh, what a game. Oh, I love a rivalry. I don't know why I went... Uh, we're West Country. West Country, dear. Um, but I do love a rivalry. And what a rivalry. What a game that was. The... You, this is why you can't forget Big Ben, because the touchdown drive to win the game was just 
unbelievably yeah, good and I really thought the Ravens would seal it at that point and I feel bad for Ben Mortimer from touchdown trips and I feel bad for my wife who I made stay up and watch it as a Ravens fan and was like oh so I've stayed awake on Christmas and I've had to watch my team lose thanks Will uh, just all in all this was this was the reason that actually Christmas football isn't a bad idea Boxing Day yesterday in the Premier League saw a few real duffers because it often does Boxing Day Day yeah because people, you know, players don't pay attention to their coaches. They may be overindulged at Christmas. There's that feeling of lethargy from the crowd as well. You get players you get getting, great atmospheres getting booked and, on purpose so they don't have to go. All of that. Yeah, uh, but this was abs- a brilliant atmosphere, a brilliant game, a brilliant rivalry. And I'm kind of gutted we're not going to see the Ravens in one of those wildcard spots. Because whilst I think the teams, you know, are they a better team than the Houston Texans? Absolutely yeah. a better team than the Houston Texans. Which means we should move on and talk about that division, the AFC South. Whoa, 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 whoa. That, the, the final play by Antonio Brown to stretch whoa. the ball across. Have you seen the, the thing that Damashek does? His, uh, his, his uh, bag of shame. Yeah, um, shame. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't do the shame, shame thing, though. But have you seen it for this week? Shame. He says there the should sh- be a Shet report. The Shet report. He says there should be a statue made of where uh, Antonio Brown's face mask is being grabbed. He's got three men by um, round him, and he re- leans over and puts the ball across the line. There should be a statue made of that, with the ball slightly towards Baltimore, but e- equidistant between <laughs> the two. <laughs> the two cities and uh, it, it, it's very funny go and check it out on YouTube or whatever guys Shame. But, but what Shame. a play that was yeah unbelievable absolutely Shame. unbelievable um, so the AFC South Ollie I've been struggling with this over the last few days because I think there are two divisions which are up for division of disgrace but there's no clear winner this year it's either and it's got to be, it's either the NFC West, because the Seahawks have regressed massively, but everyone else is terrible. You know, if the Rams can lose twice to the 49ers, the Cardinals can come out after last season and play like they have, or we still give it to the AFC South, even though they're going to have two teams with winning records, maybe. Just because any division that allows this Houston Texans, Brock Osweiler-led mess to go to the playoffs on a winning record is a disgrace. Gee, that's such a hard question. I, I almost feel like we don't have a division of disgrace this year because there isn't a clear one. But then that would feel like wussing out to me. But uh, I mean, that's we- I I think there's a couple of reasons why you should we must give it to the NFC West. And I, let me let me tell you these reasons. I'm gonna I, what I'm gonna ask. Yeah. Let's go through the FC South games. Let's do that, and then, and we'll then you talk give about me it. the NFC okay, West no, no, no. thoughts. You just That's compile fine. your thoughts. Com- get it all in place. Yeah, yeah. The Texans get in by scraping past the Bengals twelve to ten, giving up the late charge from the Bengals, and then Randy Bullock, the former Texans kicker, missing the field goal, which would have seen it go to the final week of the season. And so that the Bengals cut the Titans. So yeah, well, <laughs> I bet Nugent would exactly. have got it, <laughs> but. That Bengals team, the defensive line that's been so good in recent seasons, has been one of their big downfalls this year and why they're going to miss the playoffs for the first time in 8,000 years. 
They manhandled the Texans' offensive line. I thought once Dwayne Brown was back, they would be brilliant, but they were all over them. The Texans couldn't put anything together, and they were so lucky to come out with the win against the Bengals, a team who they should have been beating hands down. It was really frustrating. And then we've obviously already talked about Derek Carr, but Adam Foxcroft asks us, why is the NFL so cruel? I'm a decent person who deserves better, or I thought I was. He's a big Titans fan, and the Titans are now like to go in 88, which is still a brilliant season compared with where they've been. But to lose Marcus Mariota to another fractured leg, he's going to have to have a plate in there. He's going to be out for four to six months. And to lose to the Jaguars in the fashion that they did. And hold on, is the Doug Marone era here? Because what a performance from the Jags, particularly Alan Robinson, who stepped up in a massive way. And, you know, the the guy who we've been talking about all year, Jalen Ramsey, second pick in two weeks, this time returned for his first ever pick six. And we found Blake Bortles as his new position. (laughs) Yeah, he's a wide receiver. He's a wide receiver. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, I forgot to mention with the Chiefs about Dontare Poe throwing a touchdown. Which was great. It wasn't just Des Bryant. There was one bloke on Twitter that Rosenthal... Alan Hazel asked us... Can we make it a rule that Dontari Poe has to run in or throw a touchdown every week? Such fun to watch. Absolutely. 100%. Well, next time they he's trolled on, the Broncos and it was amazing. You know next time he's on the field, he's going to have to catch the ball. Yeah. Um, th- th- there's people on Twitter who don't like the fact that, that uh, the Chiefs did that. What? Nah, piss off. Yeah, get out. You, th- those people don't even like football. That's what I say. Yeah. P- piss off, you rubbish bastards. Um, but for Tennessee, I mean, they were already down in this game, as it was. And not having a good backup is a, a downfall for many, many teams. Um, but Blake Bortles, outside of just catching that reception, actually had a good game overall. If they bring in, I still hold, if they bring in the right coach, and actually with the Chargers losing to the Browns, that might have been the Mike McCoy death knell. If they can get Mike McCoy in as an offensive coordinator or even as a head coach if they trust him enough... Yeah. He is the sort of man to fix Bortles issues and then we've suddenly got a real Jags threat next year because the defense is stepping up in a big yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is devastating for Titans fans. Obviously the Colts are out we're out of it anyway, but lost to the Raiders. Um Matt Castle is not a serviceable quarterback in any way, shape or form. And uh, yeah, I I feel for Titans fans. I, I would rather be watching the Titans in the playoffs than the Texans. But instead we're gonna watch the Texans lose on the opening weekend at home to the Chiefs or the Raiders or um, who's the other AFC wildcard? Dolphins. The Dolphins, yeah. Now, can you tell me well, we why? We haven't talked about the Dolphins. But can you the t- Dolphins overtime win over the Bills. Wow! It was a great game. But can you quickly tell me why the Texans at 9-6 and six and the Titans at 8-7 and seven, and then the Titans play the Texans next week or this week, why do the Titans, if they win that, who then go level with the Texans... Why don't they jump the Texans? The tiebreakers are already in the Texans' favour. They already even, even if Because they had the win over them earlier in the year. That would tie the head-to-head record. And then we go to the divisional record. It goes beyond all the other stuff, and they've yeah, already... Yeah. I haven't actually figured out exactly what they've worked it they out. went on. But somebody else has worked it out and confirmed that that's the case. Fine. Um, fine. Just a very quick mention for the Dolphins. Um, Matt Moore is doing a very good job in that offence and is... <laughs> interesting... Watching the game, JHI running for 200 yards is obviously. Sorry, he- J- sorry London born JHI yep. um, running for 200 yards and a score is obviously what the headline is for the British fan. But what really impressed me was the play of the wide receivers this week. Devontae Parker had a very big game. Uh, Jarvis Landry continues to offer what Jarvis Landry offers. But Kenny Stills, we didn't know why Kenny Stills signed in Miami. Ryan Tannehill's not a down 
a downfield threat in terms of his arm. He doesn't have the strength, he doesn't have the vision, the accuracy. But this year, he has had downfield threat, and I was watching this game, and the reason is, you know how much I, I wank on about the Washington route concepts and how good they are with crossing routes and how well-designed that offense is? What the Dolphins do, that, that remi- it reminds me a bit of the Bears from about three or four years ago when they had Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey, is they do that, but they do it 25 yards down the field. Mm. So you've run these streak routes, you've run these deep post routes or whatever, and then you start doing stuff to confuse the corners and the safeties, and it means that they get players wide open down the field, the offensive line with, those, with that left side back in, able to protect the quarterback. Do you still bring Ryan Tannehill back after Matt Moore's had some really good imp- uh, good performances absolutely because he offers the threat on the ground that Matt Moore doesn't but it just makes me think the Dolphins are outside shout to to be able to beat the Patriots in Foxborough I wouldn't put it beyond them I really wouldn't there's there's enough there that I like I'd put it I think I, I, I the Patriots would be heavy favorites in my mind but it wouldn't stun me if the if the Dolphins went there and won right tell me why the NFC West the division of disgrace I've really got it to go and do my real job as to you okay <laughs> you've got the 49 49ers have been a dumpster fire this year the Rams terribly coached terribly uh general managed can only have lost twice to the 49ers made a mess of the move to LA made a mess of the move to the LA to the LA to LA um didn't show up when it came to London. The Cardinals. Also, the Rams finally pack out the stadium for the first time since week one. Did you see this, the crowd for Christmas Eve? It was pretty much capacity to see them lose to the 49ers. Amazing. And my, but also, a lot of those fans will be wearing different jerseys, as, as I find, <laughs> found out when I went to watch the Rams. Probably There probably were a lot of 49ers fans there. I wouldn't be surprised. Exactly. Uh, the Cardinals, who really... Uh, Larry Fitz... And David Johnson aside, no one else, no one else has performed consistently throughout the entire season. Oh, the JJ Nelson catch against the Seahawks! They maybe go, oh, yeah, maybe a, there's still some hope. Yeah, but it was a good catch from one player on one game. Yeah, Only no. two. The, the, that defense hasn't worked. Uh, Bruce Arians has been complacent, and they drew. They drew. It's a tied with the Seahawks, who for me are the streakiest team in the league. They're nine and five. They could be and one. nine five and one. They could be so much better. And every time you think they're going to go over that hump, they don't. You compare that with the a- AFC South. Now, so just to say, let's just give it to the NFC West. Because yeah, exactly. More, because more than anything else, they had a team who had a chance to have the number one seed on Saturday, and they threw it away. Yeah, you're a disgrace. So shame. NFC was shame. NFC West, you are. The Division of Disgrace. The Gridiron 2016 Division of Disgrace. Beautiful. Right, let's hear from uh, Saints defensive end Cameron Jordan. This was ahead of the Tampa Bay game, but there's plenty of pertinent stuff in here. We spoke to him just before Christmas, and uh, because we didn't bring it to you last week, I'd like to bring it to you now. So listen and enjoy. Joining us now on the NFL show, former first round pick, one of our very favourite defensive players to watch in the league. Been with the New Orleans Saints since 2011 and he's London bound next year. It's Cameron Jordan from those Saints. Uh, hello Cameron, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm great, I'm great. Um, just enjoying, you know, uh, I've ripped you Monday from the win and then, you know, we got this game coming up Saturday, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. 
It's an interesting one, uh, the win at the weekend, because barring anything amazing happening this coming weekend or the weekend after, it's going to be back-to-back seasons where you've been involved in the highest scoring game in the NFL. How does a defensive room take that sort of win? Um, you know, you got to take you got to take where you can. Um, as far as the team goes, you know, we can't you can't give up a touchdown on offense. We we have to limit the uh, the the other team's ability to score on defense. Um, that's something we're going to come in with the, this upcoming game with a chip on our shoulders. Uh, you, you got a sack yourself, which moved them back in out of what was field goal range. I mean, they kicked it and missed it, of course, but you've, you've got to get frustrated when you're making those big plays and yet it's just not quite clicking. Um, you know, in any given game, you're going to have your ups and downs. You've got to be able to have the willpower and the uh, resiliency to uh, overcome that kind of diver- uh, that kind of adversity. So, um, you know, what's really important to us is getting that win, and that's all that really matters. What's the atmosphere like around the camp today? With uh, you know, you're in a tough situation right now. You can still make the playoffs. It's going to be difficult to do so, but are you still positive? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, we're not out the runnings. There's some teams that are uh, playing this next two weeks out of the runnings. Um, you know, all we can control is our, our next two victories. I'm interested, Cam, tonight is when the Pro Bowl announcement will be made and I think there's a real case to be made for yourself. There are some other players maybe who play the same position who who have more sacks this season, but you've been getting the quarterback hits in, batting passes at the line, you rank top in tackles for loss and uh, do do you think it's going to be harsh if you're looked over tonight in my mind? Yeah, um, you know, all you can do is uh, worry about what you do on Sundays. Um, you know, let let that fall where it lies. I do know that um, I probably had a better year in, in run defense than I had in the past. And, um, you know, as they say, sacks are sexy, you know, run defense isn't. Um, but it's the great work that I enjoy doing. I mean, you, you've not been shy of getting those sacks in the past. But like you say, it's those numbers that are sexy. But I think your line's been really improving this year. Sheldon Rankin's been really impressive for me. Nick Fairley coming in and making an impact early. And that's maybe allowed you to play on the edge a bit more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, normally I, I probably would have flexed in inside the line a little bit more this uh, this year. But uh, we, we've had the great surgeons from, the, you know, Nick Fairley, Sheldon Rankin, David uh, Onyemata. Um, and it, it's just going to be so much better um, this upcoming year when they have that year under the belt. They're growing. Um, I'm I'm pretty excited about where the defensive line can head. Do you, do you prefer that opportunity to get out on the edge, get those big plays, set the edge, but also get to the quarterback? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, in my mind, I'm always in the backfield. Uh, that's my goal for every game. Hmm. Um and whether that be hurries, pressures, or sacks, you know, um, we, we love sacks, but anything we can get, we take. I, I'm interested as well. It amazes me when I was looking it up. I didn't realize you'd never missed a game in your NFL career. Ninety-four straight. I just, what do you have to go through week in, week out, in order to make sure that you can be on the field every weekend in such a, a brutal and punishing league? Um, ninety-four. I didn't know I was ninety-four in. That being said, that's a great number. <laughs> um, well, that's this is it. This is obviously why we've got you on. Ninety-four is a great number, and you've hit that game streak <laughs> this week. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, all I can say is, you know, I I love being on the field, and um, bar actual uh, injury that harms me from taking the field, there's there's not a chance.
A lot of people might not know that you come from footballing blood. Your dad's played many years with the Minnesota Vikings. He's one of the first players that I remember watching over here in, in, from a UK perspective. Were you ever tempted to emulate him, maybe try and go and be a tight end, be an offensive player? Huh. Um, no, not really. Uh, that, was, that was his job, not mine. Uh, my job is to destroy his former position and you know, <laughs> they, uh, they get in the way. Um, we, we go we go back and forth with it. I would say, um, in my mind, if he was ever across the line, I'd, I'd make sure to put him on his back at least twice. Love that. Absolutely love that. Uh, you, you talked about the improvement in the team this year and going on into next year. Well, what's Danny, Dennis Allen brought to your uh, defensive room in the past 12 months? Um, you know, it's, it's been a different change. Um, it's uh, the defense that's, you know, reminisce of the Greg Williams defense back in 11. Um he, he brings a little bit of uh, certainty um, in terms of uh, what you're what you're supposed to expect out of every position. Um, that being said, it, it also lies on you know the players to go out and execute. And that's something that we have to improve upon every game. Um, and clearly, the ups and downs of the season uh, have taken the toll. That's something that you can't get back. I'm intrigued as well. It's this time of year, it seems, every season, the last three or four, the Sean Payton trade rumours start bubbling up. And Is it something he addresses with you directly that he's going to stick around or, or vice versa? How disruptive is that to you guys in the locker room hearing that chat? Um, I mean, look, coaches, uh, Coach Payton's been around uh, for as long as I've been here. I don't expect anything less. Love that. That's exactly what we want to hear. Um, you're heading out to London this year. You, you obviously weren't back part, part back of the team in, in 08, but in fact, I think when I was looking through the team, it's, I think it's only Drew who was there in that team that beat the Chargers back in 2008. Um, has he oh, spoken... like Drew, like Drew Jari and Streets? Ah, and no, yeah, you're market. right, actually. No, that's a very good shout. Um, yeah, old Junction boys. Has anybody <laughs> has anybody talked to you about you know when this was announced last week? Did it create any buzz around your locker room? Did anyone talk about their experience at Wembley back what eight years ago now? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean you really can't speak upon next year until the season is uh, done and said with. Everybody's on the same page here. We just got to get these next these next couple wins. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, I, I'm also intrigued. I saw something this week. One, one guy who was there back in 2008 um, was was your former teammate Will Smith. Obviously, tragically killed earlier this year. But I saw you were you were helping out with Santa with the Smith this year, and it, it really interests me when it comes to NFL players. We've seen uh, a lot of teams' Man of the Year being announced for the Walter Payton Award in the last few weeks. And how important is it to you to keep up his legacy on and off the field? Yeah, I mean, uh, everybody knows Will was a, a great teammate, a great stand-up guy. When I came into the league, you know, he was somebody who uh, I, I wanted to, you know, uh, emulate or, you know, be a better than play to uh, play up to his level. I came in, he was he was well-established. You know, he already made his Pro Bowl. Um, and coming in as a 21-year-old, well, turning 22 by season started, um, this is something that uh, you got you to gotta take your best player at your position in, in your room and learn everything you can from so I did my best to uh, take everything I could. Now, that Tampa Bay this weekend is absolutely massive from not just your season, but theirs as well. I mean, you are relying on results going your way elsewhere. I'm sure you won't be paying attention to the scoreboard, but regardless of what happens elsewhere, is there any extra motivation for you knowing that you could stop a divisional rival from making a wildcard spot, even if you guys can't? Yeah, I mean, what's, what's more important than... Um, than this next win. I mean, 
Um, I'm sure there's, there's going to be implications like that with our victory and their loss. But all we can control is, again, um, what we can do on the field. And we had we asked for uh, questions on Twitter. A lot came in. We could sit here and chat football for ages, but I just wanted to read you the one tweet from uh, from big New Orleans fan Daniel here in the UK. He said, "Not really a question, but can you just tell Cam he's been pretty damn awesome this year?" Hashtag who dat? <laughs> hey, it's always it's always who dat. It's always love. You know what I'm saying? Um, all, all we can do is just try and be the best we can be, and uh, hope that turns into something gold. Because, I mean, when you come to London, technically you are the road team, but what it is for you is it's a chance for you to play a road game on a neutral field, and it's a chance for you guys. You're popular out here. You know, the Super Bowl win of not so long ago really uh, caught the attention of fans out here, and, you know, you guys could turn Wembley Stadium into a, into a little bit of a Superdome. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it sounds exciting enough. Um, I've clearly never played in London before, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I've, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the trip. Now, the question is, how much time will we actually get? Who knows? And that's uh, that's a question for next season. Hey, look, we look forward to it. Look forward to seeing you out here, and and we wish you luck this weekend. And uh, Cameron, you're playing obviously on uh, on Christmas Eve. Any big Christmas plans off the back of that? Um, you know, our uh, our game got flipped to an evening game. Um, normally, you know, my family pushes and shoves around for uh, the dinner or the, uh, a Christmas dinner but that's probably going to be a little more improbable this year oh, we, we might flex it out till Sunday or you know I'll just catch leftovers when I get home <laughs> beautiful stuff look really enjoyed chatting with you Cameron I hope you have a, a great game this weekend and uh, good luck for this evening when the Pro Bowl announcement comes out because uh, I certainly think you deserve to be in the mix oh, much appreciated you have a blessed thank you very much really enjoyed it Cameron good stuff yeah but a hoot at who that? <laughs> that was Cameron Jordan, defensive end of the Norlin Saints, obviously London bound next year. Uh, this is the Gridiron Show with touchdown trips, getting you in the game. Let's finish off with a couple of your tweets. Uh, Neil Dutton asks, with Joe Thomas saying last week that that was the Brown Super Bowl, what's your moment of significant insignificance? So it wouldn't be significant to anyone else, but to you it really meant something. It's a big oh, question. Man, that's such a big... Why have you thrown that on me right now? I don't know. What's yours? Uh, yeah, there you go. Getting to cover the Reading game on Boxing Day. A non-game to anyone else, but it was my first time doing Match Day Live. My first time doing a live game at the Madstad. I interviewed Yap Stam afterwards. I interviewed Alex Neal afterwards. Whoa! That was uh I don't surly. know if you remember that Jan Cormacant uh, penalty from three years ago. <laughs> on the, on Five, the... Six years ago in <laughs> South Wales. <laughs> Ask, that really made me. That ask, really made me laugh. When ask, I heard it. Ask, <laughs> ask Jeff Peters or ask <laughs> any other Leicester fan if they remember the Jan Kermagant failed Penenka that cost them the place in the playoff final against Cardiff. Trust me, they remember. All I'm saying is. You gotta know your audience, man. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you weren't broadcasting to BBC Leicester. Yeah, no, I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> it, it made me chuckle. Uh, to be fair, I was the only person in the office ripping you for it. <laughs> Fine. Everybody else was like, uh, "What's no? Is that bad?" I was like, "Yes, it's bad." With that, in general, did they say I was bad, or did I get an okay review? Overall? Oh, mate, no one mentioned you, so that's therefore, perfect. You're that's fine. ideal. That's ideal. Um, Right, this is the big one, and like I said, we've got to, we've got to get our jobs. You think about it. Will Davis asked, "What's our favourite foodie item you've eaten over the last few days?" But that kind of leads us into Adam Barton's top five 
Christmas dinner sides. So let's let's just let's formulate a list of five and then we can rank them. Does gravy count as a side? If gravy counts as a side, then that's number one. That's number one, hands down. Right, roast potatoes. Yeah, uh, pigs in blankets because they're a meat. Do they count as a side? They count. They're, they're a meat side. They're a meat side, but. I'm not a fan of pigs and blankets, Whoa. and I will tell you why. I don't know if you remember, but what about white? Uh, no, Chinese. Come on, devils on horseback. Chinese devils on horseback, which is something that it's, it's water chestnut inside a date wrapped in streaky smoked bacon. It's incredible. It is incredible. That, that is my number two. That blows away any. Um, any what's what's the other one called? I don't even what they're called. Pigs in blankets. Pigs in, bl- pigs in blankets can naff off. Right, parsnips. Parsnips are right and up there. Carrots, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, but I I would say they are a side together. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. You can't. We. I don't think you can have one without the. I mean, you can, but they're nowhere near as good as if you put them together now are there any other ones that we want to throw in there because you well, know I there's c- your other veg your steamed peas stuff like that but i don't think anyone's throwing those in proper sport pork stuffing now this is this is my one I, I see we have sausage meat pork stuffing yeah with the turkey but my mum makes a cranberry and chestnut stuffing that is just unbelievable see chestnut's wonderful uh because i have it with my brussels sprouts right we're gonna we're gonna lump it in so, here is our order, in my mind. Yeah. And let me know if I'm wrong. Yeah. Gravy. Number one. Chinese devils on horseback. Yet yeah, two. Which no one else has ever eaten, but it's fine. Me you've and got, you have, and they're you've delightful. Got to, you've got to try them. And they I'm are sorry. Delightful. They're incredible. Stuffing. What, above potato? Ro- above pr- roast potato? Stuffing and roast potato is right in there for me. Mate, I think you've got to have ro- right, roast I, potato I, first. I, I, right, roast potato. Yeah. Stuffings. Yeah. Stuffings. Then rounding off the list, we're saying parsnips and, and honeyed carrots, that kind of roasted veg. I feel really bad that there's nothing green in there. Oh, forget green. Just have some peas on the side to make yourself feel healthy. Yeah, a bit of mint sauce or something. Yeah, fine. Done. That is our list. Right, Ollie, pleasure as always, buddy. I'm off to Portugal very early tomorrow morning. Oh, to the bain. Uh, indeed, to the bang, indeed. But um, which we, part of Portugal? Uh, we are flying into Faro, and oh, then we're going, we're going down the Algarve. Algarve, and we've got a villa booked wow. out. There are fifteen of us going. Beautiful. Uh, it's basically like, a, like six couples and then three random single people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Poor them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a really fun kind of. We're going away for New Year's, but I will make sure if the wireless there is good. I'll Skype in and we'll do a show to preview the weekend and another show off the back. Plus, we've got to do our awards show, of course, the regular season awards. How long are you there for, then? I come back on the 3rd, so I'm only there six days. Okay. Um, otherwise... Well, I'll be doing some shows. We'll find some Mike White or some Paolo Bandini. or yeah, yeah, yeah. You can finally do the call-in show that I threatened to do while you were in America. Don't want to do that. <laughs> otherwise, Ollie, any th- final thoughts? I saw Rogue One yesterday. First time? First time. Whoa.
Oh my god, I loved it. I've seen it twice now. I had a really geeky chat. Do you know Ginger Joe upstairs? I do know Ginger Joe upstairs. And do you know the other Joe pamphlet? pamphlet? I know pamphlet, yep. Yeah. We had a really geeky chat about it. Right, listen, let's not have a geeky chat now. Firstly, because some people won't have seen it because of the Christmas period, etc. And secondly, because we're going to be here for another half an hour if we do that. But when I get back from Portugal, me, you, the new super screen at Wandsworth, which is basically an IMAX, but not called an IMAX. I didn't know they had a new super screen there. Two of them. <gasps> yeah. And a 4DX screen, but I ain't doing that shit. Also, because partially I think I'm, I might be above the weight limit for it. But... <laughs> um, we'll go to the Wandsworth super screen and we'll watch Rogue One again and then we'll geeky chat about it. Right. Love you lots. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. At Gridiron, as always, a very merry, merry Christmas to all and sundry. I hope you've had a wonderful festive period and we'll catch you later in the week. Love you, bye. This has been... In association with Touchdown Trips, The Gridiron Show. Hello, you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play or to win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, 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 horse. <laughs> Full terms apply. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org.